Listen, because here's the deal. Our ministry to the next generation is not babysitting. It's discipling. Thanks for listening to the Seeds Church Podcast. If you're in Middle Tennessee, we'd love to have you join us in person for one of our services. Check out SeedsChurchTN.com for times and locations. Now, here's our lead pastor, J.D. Swilly. Amen. Amen. Well, stand with me today as we're going to read God's Word together out loud. And um, today's passage comes from uh, Paul's second letter to his protege, Timothy. And this is going to be from chapter 4. And this is a little bit of a longer reading today than we would normally do together. But uh, it's a good one. So let's read aloud together. 2 Timothy chapter 4 in verse 1. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For this time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But have itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. For I am being... Let's try that again, sorry. That was my fault, not yours. Lord, forgive me. Here we go. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. As you're seated, turn to the person next to you and say, we're going to finish well. Last week, we started this, this talk about finishing well, and it's kind of very similar along the lines of a message uh, or, or a couple of different messages that we we're in back in October. I think the name of that, that little series that we did, maybe it was a three-part series called Keep Yourselves. And it goes from, that, that, the language keep yourselves comes from uh, the book of Jude in the last few verses there. Jude is, is um, just a one-chapter book. It's very short. It's a short letter. Jude is the half-brother of Jesus. He, uh, in the, actually, in the Greek and Hebrew, it's just pronounced Judah, and, um, and so Judah wasn't a follower of Jesus during Jesus' early ministry. But after Jesus' death and resurrection, Judah and his brother James both became believers and leaders in the early church. And in the last few verses of his, of his letter to the church, he gives some encouragement and, and, uh, and some warning. And, and actually, the whole, the whole letter is kind of a warning and encouragement as well. And Jude uh, reminds the early church 
of these warnings, he uses six Old Testament examples, saying, hey, look at this, 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 and this, and this is, this is a warning to us. And then he also uses two extra-biblical examples that were part of historical Jewish writings. And then he mentions that Jesus himself and the earlier apostles gave these warnings too. Now, what was the warnings? Well, the warnings was that there would be people in the church, not out there in the world, but actually there are going to be people in the church who are going to be going off the rails. They'll say one thing that it sounds okay. It sounds like, oh, okay, well, that sounds good. That, that sounds right. But then if you look at their actions, their actions would preach a different message altogether. The serious things of God would not be taken seriously. They'd be made fun of. They, they would twist doctrine to justify their own thoughts, their own feelings, their own actions, the, the, their own narrative. They, they would not think about what the needs of others. They'd not think about what God wants for them, but their primary objective was their own selfishness. What do I want right now? And so, again, no thought for others, no thought for what God wants. They're just living their best Cindy Lauper life. They just want to have fun. And, and if we look around the church right now today, it's the same thing going on. It was happening in Judah's day. It's happening today. Some people might say, oh, we have the Holy Spirit, but they don't give any room for the work of the Holy Spirit in their life. How do we know that? Because there's no fruit. There's no evidence of the work of the Holy Spirit in their life. Jude says that the kind of fruit that they produce actually splits churches. And instead of drawing people to Jesus, they're, they're, they're driving people away from Jesus. We're living in a time and a culture where people are dropping like flies. Their faith is dropping like flies. And again, we're not just talking about godless people in the world. I mean, sinners are going to sin. That's what they do. But those of us in the church who we've been redeemed, we ought to be on this path of sanctification. But yet, people are dropping like flies. And so, so... I mean, we're talking about people who ought to be part of the family of God. We're talking about people who, who ought to be sons and daughters of God. We're talking about people who ought to be saying, yes, I'm a bondservant of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're talking about people who ought to be warriors in the spiritual battle, but instead, they're giving up the fight, they're quitting the race, and they're losing the faith. But I don't want to be like that. I want to be like Paul who said in 2 Timothy 4, 7, what we just read, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have kept the faith. Finally, there's laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all those who have loved his appearing. All those who have loved his appearing. You wanna know what kind of language that is? Or that, what, what kind of vocabulary that is? That's somebody who's living with a last day's mentality. That's where you feel this sense of urgency of the Lord's return. 
man, there's things that, that's gotta be done before Jesus returns. Man, we're not ready. Jesus is coming and there's still dirty dishes in the sink. The floors need to be swept. The, the carpets need to be vacuumed. We gotta get our house in order. There's people I know, my family, my friends, that I need to tell the good news to about who Jesus is and what he can do in their life and the plan that he has for their life. I'd say that when I was growing up in the church, I felt a little bit more of a sense of urgency for the Lord's return. I felt like, you know, we were getting at it. We were preparing for the Lord's return, but somewhere in the midst of our prosperity, somewhere in the midst of distraction, somewhere in the midst of comfort, we lost that sense of urgency. But I think it's coming back to the church. I feel this holy anxiousness stirring in us again for the Lord's return. We need to be living with a last day's mentality that says, I'm in it to win it. The time is short. Like Daniel, I'm determining in my heart, I will not defile myself. I'm not gonna fade. I'm not gonna fail, but I'm gonna finish well. This is what I want for me and my family. It's what I want for you and your family. It's what God wants for all of us. So if we're not gonna fade, if we're not gonna fail, how are we gonna finish well? We, we talked, uh, I, I gave you five like practical things last week and I'm not gonna review all those right now. But I, we, we did talk about these biblical principles that we saw in the life of a, of a man named Dick Eastman. Dick Eastman is a 78 year old guy who has been quietly leading a prayer admission movement, a global prayer admission movement for decades. A, a global prayer and missions organization. And let me just ask you right now, before last Sunday when I mentioned his name, had any of you ever even heard of the guy? Like I see three people's hands up, three or four people's hands up. And two of them are from Colorado, which is where he's from. And this guy is just living for Jesus, making a difference that counts for eternity, not making a name for himself, doesn't care about the large audience that he may have on social media, but he's making a difference for eternity. He's impacting thousands upon thousands upon hundreds of thousands and maybe even more, maybe even to the millions' lives. And listen, I'm not trying to elevate Dick Eastman over Jesus. I'm just saying, here's a modern day example of a father and a general in the faith who is finishing well that we can learn from. Paul told, and listen, this is today, this is not like get your notebook out and write down step one, two, three, four, and five. This is just some things that are gonna be spilling out of my heart and I just hope you, you catch this, this determination that we're gonna finish well. There's a lot of common sense, spiritual common sense things that we all know that can help us finish well. But I just want you to catch the spirit of this today. 
Paul told the Corinthian church, he says, you've got 10,000 people that can teach you about Christ, but you don't have very many fathers. If we're gonna finish well, we need some fathers. We need some fathers who are finishing well out in front of us that can impart some things to some sons. We need some mothers who out in front finishing well that can impart some things to some daughters. Later in the same Corinthian letter, Paul said this. He says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Follow me as I follow Jesus. We need some godly modern day examples to follow as we endeavor to finish well this race that God has set for us. And if all you're doing is looking at the world around you, and if all you're doing is just looking at the news, and if all you're doing is just reading the Roy's report, if all you're doing is just reading the, you know, different things out there, you're gonna see a lot of people out there that are failing, and you might lose heart, but I'm telling you, God's calling us to finish well, so we need to start identifying some fathers. And we need to make some determination in our hearts, I'm gonna be that kind of father. We need to identify some mothers in the faith. And you ladies, make the determination in your heart, I'm gonna finish well. And I'm gonna impart to some daughters. Paul wrote to Titus. Titus was the overseeing pastor of the church in Crete. And Paul told him, hey, teach the older men and teach the older women to live their lives, to conduct their lives in such a way that if anybody comes against them, those people will look like fools. Live your life in such a way that if anybody has anything bad to say about them, that they would be ashamed because they would give them no room to say anything bad about them. That those people who had bad things to say would just look like fools at the end of the day. And then he told Titus to instruct the older men to teach the younger men how to live. And he told Titus to say to the older women, you teach the younger women how to live. This whole concept, unfortunately, is one of the things that the church has not done well all the time. We see it well in in spurts. We see it it well in pockets. But this is something that we have wrestled with many times over church history. And I'm just thinking about just over my lifetime and over the last, you know, 50, 60, 70 years of church history, and you, you know the stories, you see, you've seen it, maybe you're, you're a byproduct of, it, byproduct of it, you've been affected by it, but sometimes the older people can get a little controlling or cantankerous. Sometimes they can get cynical because they've not quit, but they've been hurt and they've not been healed. If you've been hurt, don't give up on healing. You might not be healed today, but you might be tomorrow. Every day, you can take a step toward healing if you've been hurt. Don't grow cynical. It's one of the most important things that we can do as church leaders, as spiritual mothers and fathers, is to not grow cynical. And instead of taking the younger people under their wing, 
and leading them well and raising them up, sometimes older people drive the younger people away. It's terrible. I wouldn't say we've seen a lot of this here at Seeds Church, but we all have, I mean, we only have a history that's not even five years old yet here. So hopefully we can avoid some of these mistakes as we've seen them. But here's, here's what happens then oftentimes. The younger Christians go, well, we don't need those old fogies. We got Jesus. What else do we need? And they, we'll go out here and do our own thing. And they go out there and do their own thing, but then they don't have any godly leadership going in front of them as an example. And they, stay, they start making avoidable mistakes left and right all over the place. They don't have anybody in their life to help them. They don't have anybody in their life to give them wisdom. They don't have anybody in their life to bring correction. And what I see way too much of is a bunch of young, immature Christians leading other young, immature Christians. It's the blind leading the blind. And when I say young, immature Christians, I don't, I'm not only just talking about age. I mean, that's where you primarily see it, but there's people that have been Christians for decades that are still young and immature in the things of the Lord because they only want the bottle and not the steak. They just want the milk, but they don't want the meat. And Paul gave a pretty stern warning to those. He goes, I've been feeding y'all milk for a long time. You ought to be on solid food by now but you've refused to grow up. You've stayed immature. So whether you're in your 40s, 50s, or 60s, or whether you're in your, your teens, 20s, or 30s, well, it doesn't make any difference. We've got to grow up and mature in the things of God. But what I see in these kind of movements where it's just like young immaturity leading other young immaturity, uh, if, if I see, see something like that, my first question is, where are the old people? Where are the gray-headed people? And if I look for them and I find them, I go, praise God, good. That's a biblical example. They're set up for success. But if there aren't any, any Christians around with a track record of long obedience in the same direction, then it is inevitable that these immature believers, if they stay on this path, if they stay on this trajectory, it's inevitable that they'll, it'll lead them to burn up and burn out. Just think about it. I mean, I'm sure that you, we all know people that you're like, yeah, that's pretty much exactly what's happened in so-and-so's life. Or maybe this is, describes you at some point in your life. Yeah, that's exactly what happened to me. And you might end up walking away from the church. They might end up walking away altogether from Jesus. It's heartbreaking. And it's avoidable. And as I'm talking about this, and something's stirring on the inside of you, I want to charge you. Number one, I want to charge you with to get engaged, get engaged with discipling the children in your own home. And number two, 
get engaged with helping out here in our kids' ministry or our youth ministry or ministry to young adults here in your church. Thank you for the two yeses and amens from our youth directors. I'll be so bold as to say this. If you are here and you have children that you drop off into Seed's kids, I would say, hey, at least once a month, you ought to be engaged back there in helping. But JD, I'm not a teacher. That's fine. You might not be a teacher, but if you're a parent, you're a leader. And not all the positions that we have back there are teacher positions. We just need good help sometimes. But I encourage you, listen, because here's the deal. Our ministry to the next generation is not babysitting. It's discipling. So when this, we dismiss this service, go find Kirby. Go find Sherilyn. Go find Tim and Alana. What can we do to help? How can I get involved? Where can I invest? One time when I was a youth pastor, a mother came to me, and she said, I mean, she was distraught, I understand. She said, my son, he's sleeping with his girlfriend, and, she, you know, he got her pregnant. I just don't understand. I didn't raise him to be this way. And, you know, I knew that family fairly well, really well. And I knew the patterns in their life, and I knew the values that they truly beheld. And I didn't say this to this mama because I didn't think it would be helpful in that moment, but I can tell you what I was thinking. I was thinking, no, you didn't raise your son to do this, but you didn't raise him not to do it. Because you allowed the world to raise him to do what he's doing. You've spent more time, you've spent more money, you've spent more energy, you've spent more words talking to your son about y'all's favorite football team than you have teaching him to live a holy lifestyle. And you haven't even come close in tying the amount of time, money, energy, or words in investing into him as a disciple of Jesus. Now, again, I didn't say that to her. I didn't think that's what she needed in that moment. But listen, if what I'm describing is a scenario that's similar to yours, I hope you're wearing steel-toed boots this morning. Don't, don't get offended. Don't get defensive. I know that every single one of our kids, my kids included, have the capacity to do things that feel like a slap to the face for the investment that you've made into their life. Okay? That's the problem with free will. <laughs> but if we've got free will, then all the more reason that we should be diligent and vigilant uh, about raising our kids to love and serve Jesus. When our kids don't get it right, what are we gonna do? We're gonna love them. We're going to help them. We're going to correct them. If they become prodigals and they walk away from the Lord, what are we going to do? We're going to pray for them. 
And we're gonna be like the heavenly father. We're gonna be willing and ready to receive them back with open arms the moment that we see them coming down the road, coming back home. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Come on home. But the point is this, if we don't disciple our kids, our young people to love and serve Jesus, by default, the world will disciple them to live their life apart from Jesus. If we don't model and teach them how to finish well, the world will model for them and teach them how to fade and how to fail. Listen, without the proper guidance, some of them are gonna burn up and burn out. They'll become apostate. They'll walk away from the faith. Or instead of abandoning the, abandoning the faith altogether, maybe they'll go a different route a little bit and they'll become liberal in their theology. They'll scoff at orthodox interpretation of the Bible. They'll omit and twist scriptures to suit their flavor of the day. We're seeing that all over the place. Hey, what's popular today? Oh, we'll just manipulate these verses over here to justify this. Well, I don't uh, like those verses because they don't say what I want them to say because that offends the way I want to live or that's offensive to the people over here that I love. So... We just won't read those verses. Or, you know, we'll just eisegete or we're gonna interpret them in such a way that it fits what we want it to say so that I can still feel good about my sin or I can still feel good about the sin of those who I've aligned with. It's quiet in here. Today we're seeing people who call themselves Christians and they are supporting things like abortion. And LGBTQ agenda and racism, but they're saying they're supporting racism in the name of anti anti racism. You know, you you can't fight racism with another form of racism, right? I mean, I love what Dr. King said. He said, "You darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that." Right? Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. <laughs> And so, for the record, you know, if you supported abortion or if you supported the LGBTQ agenda, if you supported racism or CRT or critical race theory or whatever, I want to tell you, God loves you. Embrace repentance if you, if you need to do that. Embrace repentance. Live forgiven. Become a disciple of Jesus, the full gospel. Not omitting, not twisting. Listen, and so... Thank you, Jesus. I'm living forgiven too. I'm not immune. I'm not, I'm not without sin. Thank you, Jesus. We can't just sit back and think that we're immune to all of this fading in the world, to all of this fading in the world like it could never happen to us. Just a few days ago, like two, maybe three days ago, I... I saw this message from this guy. He's in full-time ministry. And he's asking a bunch of us to pray for him because his wife is in deconstruction right now. Her faith is falling apart. And he's just trying to figure out what's my next step for my family. 
It can happen to any of us if we're not vigilant, if we're not sober-minded. We're not immune to fading or failing, and we also can't be like the ostrich with his head in the sand and just pretend like everything's okay. Like, oh, all this will just blow over. No, that's not gonna work. That never works. Instead, the attitude that I wanna take is I wanna answer the call. I wanna answer the call. Second Chronicles 16.9 says that the eyes of the Lord are searching the earth, looking for those whose hearts are fully committed to him because he wants to strengthen them. I want to answer the call. I want some strength from the Lord. I want to stay fully committed to him. I want to be like Isaiah when the Lord said, who shall we send? Who will go for us? And Isaiah said, what did he say? Here I am, Lord, send me. That's the call that I want to to answer. I want to finish well. I don't want to fool myself and to say, well, I'm immune couldn't happen to me. And I don't want to live in the land of delusion where we're pretending like everything's okay and everything's fine. No, I want to be engaged. I want to be on mission and I want to finish well. And I want to tell you, a young person, if you're here today, make the determination in your heart right now at 17 years old. I'm going to finish well. I'm going to be a 78 year old man who's committed my life to the prayer and missions movement. I said this last week, we need less celebrity heroes, less celebrity pastor heroes even, and we need more martyrs and missionaries as heroes, more mothers and fathers as heroes. And I'll say this, I can't do it by myself. I can't finish well by myself. That's not how this is set up to work. I need my church. I need my family of faith. And it's not just about the strength that I can draw from so that I can finish well. It's also about what has the Lord invested into me? What has my family of faith invested into me so that I can not only just finish well myself, but I can help someone else finish well too? If we have people in our lives who are finishing well, Their lives line up with the word of God. They have a long, good track record of being led by the spirit. And why do I say that? Because what are we endeavoring to do? We're endeavoring to be shaped by the? And led by the? If we have people like that in our lives, then it is right for us to pay attention to them. If we don't have people like that in our lives, start looking around. If you don't have any godly examples in your life to follow, start praying and asking the Lord, highlight to me who I can start following around. And again, this doesn't mean that we elevate people in the place of honor above Jesus, but what it does mean is that we can learn from them and imitate them as they imitate Christ. If you're gonna finish well, you're gonna need some godly examples to follow people that can sit across the table from you at Starbucks and tell you the truth. So how am I gonna know if they're imitating Christ? 
That's a great question. I'm glad you asked. How you're going to know if they're imitating Christ is if you have your nose in this book right here. And you're beginning to learn the person of Jesus revealed to us through the word of God. Oh, does this person's life, does the fruit of their life, the evidence of of their life, does it look like the evidence of the fruit of the spirit? Does it look like Jesus's life? Oh, it does? Okay. Well, I'm not the pastor. Where I'm not educated. Where I'm just a teenager. Where I'm just a stay-at-home mom. Where I'm just a whatever, fill in the blank. Listen, you can use or you can try to use any excuse that you want to to run from the call of God in your life to make a difference for, that counts for eternity. You can make an excuse to quit the race, to not finish well. But I'd say right back at you, who do you think you are? that you think that you can just quit, that you can just throw in the towel and get away with it. God is calling you to fight the good fight, to to finish the race, to keep the faith. Don't be ignorant. Don't be arrogant. Don't be lazy. Don't be disillusioned by disappointment. You might say, well, I'm not the pastor. Good, I'm glad you're not because you can go places that I can't go. You can have influence with people that I can't have influence with yet. So praise God. Or I'm just a teenager. Praise God also. You can start a prayer movement in your school. I can't do that. But JD, you don't know what I've been through. You don't see the hurt. You don't see how, how, you know, the disappointment that I've had to walk through. Everyone around me, everyone else is getting all these downloads from God, getting all these blessings from the Lord, and, and, and it's all I could do to just roll out of bed today and get to church. Well, good. I'm glad you're here. Just by getting out of bed and getting here today, you punch the devil in the mouth. Yeah. <laughs> I, this is one thing. It, Young person, if you, please, I would hope that you hear a lot of good wisdom today, but one thing, one thing that will set you up for success in life, this is like step one. It's not just the only thing you need, but this is step one. Show up. Show up. You're not gonna be successful at anything in your life if you don't learn, first of all, to just show up. That's not even in my notes. Y'all can throw a little bit more money in the offering for that one later. Also, I'd say this. If you're going to finish well, then, then stop playing the comparison game. Do you know the sin of comparison? I mean, seemingly looking in, in the scriptures at the the story of creation and in Genesis and in the garden, that was the first sin, was the sin of comparison. The enemy, the devil, got Eve to compare herself to God. Before they even ate of the forbidden fruit, the first sin that was committed in their heart and in their mind by saying, getting this comparison game going on. Stop comparing yourself to what you think you know about other people. 
The devil has tricked you into thinking that you're the only one going through what you've gone through. And if he can isolate you that way, then he can get you to either fade or fail. I I promise you, if you get around some seasoned spiritual mothers, strong mothers, some seasoned spiritual strong fathers in the faith, you get plugged into a life group, you start rubbing elbows with people, and you stick around long enough, right? Because there's that. Well, I showed up. Well, how many times did you go? One time. Well, tell me at anything in your life, have you ever showed up one time and all of a sudden you've created lifelong relationships? You gotta stick around. Stick around long enough for people to get to know you and for you get to get to, to get to know them. And I promise you that you're gonna find some folks who have walked through the valley of the shadow of death. And you're going to hear the testimony of how they were able to fear no evil because they knew that God was with them, that his rod and his staff comforted them and led them and guided them and protected them. Whatever you're going through today, you're not alone. Other people have gone through some difficult things themselves, maybe even more difficult than you've gone through. But determine in your heart I'm not going to fade. I'm not going to fail. I'm going to finish well. For some reason, or not, I mean, some of us, I should say this. Some of us right now are in a season where the sun is shining. Right? The flowers are blooming. Yes, praise God, right? And, and uh, everything just seems great. The birds are chirping and all that. But who's to say that tomorrow... It won't be storming like it was last night about 8.30 or 9 o'clock at night and the thunder and the lightning and the rain. Determine in your heart today, even when the sun is shining, determine in your heart that, that I'm not going to fade. I'm not going to fail. I'm going to finish well when those hard days are, those, when they show up, they're, gonna, they're coming, I promise you. We all have them. Some of you might be thinking, well, J.D., it's too late for me. I've already faded. It's too late for me. I've already failed. Finishing well is out of my reach. And to that, I'd say, that is a lie from the pit of hell. As long as you have breath in your lungs, you can finish well. If you faded, he's calling you off the bench. If you failed, he's saying, Lazarus, come forth. Come up out of that grave. Be resurrected. The Lord spoke in Isaiah 61, and he said that that he wants to make you into an oak of righteousness. It's time that we start getting a vision for our life that lines up with God's vision for our life. He wants to rebuild from the rubble. Instead of shame, this is, again, all from Isaiah 61, he wants to give you a double portion of honor and joy that never fades. That's what he wants to trade you out. Oh, your shame? Here, I'll take that. Here's double honor. Here's joy that that will last for forever. 
If you feel like you faded, if you feel like you failed, I want to tell you today that you can be a finisher in Christ Jesus. Philippians chapter 1 verse 6, Paul says, I'm certain that the God who began a good work in you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day that Christ Jesus returns. If you've got breath in your lungs, you can finish well. It doesn't matter what's happened. He has a part and we have a part. He's doing the rebuilding. We're stop, our job is to stop doubting and start believing. Stand with me. I have a prayer for us to pray today, and, and this part of it is a declaration that we're making to ourselves and to the Lord and to the people here in this room. Our families that are here in this room, our church family that is here in this room, we're praying this together in agreement. So let's put this on the screen here, and we're going to pray this in faith together. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for giving us your grace and peace. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for our sins to rescue us from this evil world. All glory to you forever and ever. By the power of your spirit working in us, we declare that we will not waste our time with sowing into the things of the flesh that produces a harvest of weeds, but we will double down and go all in on the things of the spirit that produces a harvest that lasts for eternity. We will not grow weary in doing the things that you call good because in due season, at just the right time, you said we will reap a harvest of blessing if we do not lose heart and give up. Holy Spirit, help us to not fade, not fail, but finish well. May your grace flourish in our spirits. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. God, I pray over your people today that they make a determination in their heart, just like we said that, that Daniel determined in his heart. I pray that we would determine our hearts that we're not going to fade, we're not going to fail, that we're going to finish well. And God, I pray that, that we would also determine in our hearts that if we see those around us that need a hand, that need a hand up, that we would go to them. That we'd not just let them sit there in the pig pen, but we would go and say, let me help you. And God, we can't make people, we can't make people receive our help. We can't make people uh, draw strength from what you're doing in our lives. But God, help us to have the, the kind of heart that you have that just never gives up on us. Lord, I pray that we would have an endurant heart that not only says that we're in it to finish well, but I'm never going to give up praying for that person. As long as they live, as long as there's an opportunity for them to finish well, I'm going to pray for them. Those of us that need good, godly examples, Lord, we need mothers and fathers to look up to, to come alongside, to go to with questions, to come to with prayer requests, to go to and go, how did you guys work through this? What did you do with this? Lord, help us identify those people in our lives and help us have, have the, the, the boldness to approach people and say, I just need coffee, man. I just need lunch with you sometime. God, help us not be full of shame. Help us not operate for, from a platform of shame, but instead, God, I pray that you demolish that shame in the name of Jesus. Demolish shame in our lives that we can uh, be the oaks of righteousness that you've called us to be. That we would receive the double portion of honor that you have to give to us. The God, that we don't have to waller in disappointment. We don't have to waller in in. Um, in 
uh, depression, God, but we can lay hold of the joy, everlasting joy. God, help us. We want to finish well. We want to help others finish well. We want to look to those in front of us that are finishing well. In the name of Jesus. And the people of God said amen. 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 As we're getting ready to dismiss today, I want the prayer team to come and stand down here down front. If you've got a need for prayer in your life for anything whatsoever, if you need to give your life to Jesus today, if you need healing in your body, you need an answer to something going on, I would encourage you to come down here and let us pray with, with you today. Uh, in just a few minutes, we're going to be set up and get ready for DNA. So those of you that are sticking around for DNA today, uh, like, just like last week, hang around for a few minutes. Go pick up your children from the children's ministry, and when we're ready, we'll call you. But um, Lord, I just pray blessing over your people today. May you bless them. You keep them. Protect them. Let, may your face shine upon them. Lift up your countenance upon them, God, and give them your peace. And give them a spirit and a heart of endurance and perseverance and grit that will not give up. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Thanks for listening. Stay connected with us at SeedsChurchTN.com. And on social media, our mission at Seeds Church is to help people discover who God created them to be and equip them to do what he called them to do. One of the easiest ways you can help us accomplish our mission is by simply sharing this podcast. You can do so by subscribing, leaving a review on iTunes, or sharing it with your friends on Facebook. Thanks again for listening. We hope to see you soon.